0: Hi friends, this weekend NERI began a series entitled God the Parent that will cover Mother's Day and Father's Day. For Mother's Day, Adam asked, what if God relates to the pain that accompanies parenting? And he shared examples from the Bible of a God who experiences parental pain with and for us. So hi, happy Mother's Day. It's a real privilege to celebrate it with you, though I recognize that, I think we all have to recognize that Mother's Day, like any holiday, is a bit loaded. Uh, for some of you, there's some real sincere celebration that comes with the day like Mother's Day, and for some of you, equally as sincere of grief, and we just kind of have to embrace all of that. Add to the f- that, add to the fact that like, not all of you are even females, and I'm not Joyce Meyer, and we've got ourselves the potential for a really awkward Sunday. So we're, we're going to try to deal uh, with dignity and grace with Mother's Day to celebrate those of you who are celebrating, to, to create leverage for grief for those of you that that's where you're at. And so let me just say, like, for those of you that this is about celebrating and you're real excited this morning, we're, we're real honored to celebrate that with you, uh, maybe uh, maybe this is your first Mother's Day, your, your first one as a mother. Congratulations there. Maybe you're in a place where your kids are thriving. Because part of what I've recognized is n- nobody celebrates Mother's Day the same way every year. Like it comes in waves. And so maybe this is your swing this year. Maybe this is your turn to celebrate. Your kids are thriving. They're doing very, very well. You have this sense of accomplishment or even just the sense of like, I don't get that much credit, but I'll take the ones uh, where everyone's doing well and everyone's healthy uh, maybe you're a grandmother, and, and, and your joy is mixed between two things. One, you're not parenting anymore, and that feels really, really good. And and two, uh, maybe you're looking at your kids, and they're, they're doing really well. And even your grandkids are doing well, and you just have this glow to you. Again, we're, we're excited to celebrate with you. And yet, that's not everybody in the room. Uh, some of you... Maybe the greatest act of courage in all of 2016 will be walking into a church on Mother's Day uh, because you know that it's just going to be uh, bombarded with all kinds of things that, that maybe aren't true of you, maybe, maybe that recall why you're grieving. Uh, maybe you've struggled with infertility your entire adult life, and uh, it's a big por- portion of your relationship with God, whatever segment of it is there, because of that. M- maybe, you're, maybe you're grieving loss uh, maybe a miscarriage, maybe several miscarriages. Maybe the fact that it was 20 years ago, it doesn't make it hurt any less. Uh, maybe you have a, a son or a daughter who's, who's battling something like childhood cancer or, or, or is dealing with really in, in intense emotional things like, like depression or anxiety. Maybe you're looking at the fact that in just a few months you have an empty nest and you know that's supposed to feel good, but it kind of doesn't right now. Maybe you have an adult son or daughter who's not speaking with you. And listen, I can't imagine being there, but I can imagine that maybe few things could hurt more than that. They're not confiding in you. They're not trusting you. Maybe maybe you've had to do the unspeakable, and you've had to create boundaries of your own with, with an adult child that's just not doing very well. Maybe you have an adult child who, who knows the obvious, and that's that you were less than a perfect parent, and yet they're holding that against you, and, and there's no grace. There's no forgiveness. Listen, uh, we get that this is this is just a jam-packed holiday full of lots and lots of emotion. And what I'm excited to do this morning is jump into the text and see how how God has a full 360-degree perspective of all of that. In fact, really, what we're doing this morning we're not gonna we're not gonna brand it like we normally would a series, but really, what we're doing is starting a two-part mini-series. Part one today, Mother's Day. Part two on Father's Day this week. I, I want to speak to the vulnerability of parenting. And then on Father's Day, we want to speak to just the control aspect of parenting, but we're going to do it in a unique way because I I don't feel like I should talk about parenting for at least another 20 years because the jury's still out on my parenting. But one of the more invigorating things that's happened to me in my own relationship and conversations with God and time in the text... Uh, has been, and there's a scholar named John Goldingay who I'm indebted to this morning. He, he's an Old Testament chair at Fuller Theological Seminary in California. He's a British-Anglican man. I'm much indebted to him. And in working through a couple of his commentaries on the Old Testament, one of the things that stood out to me several months ago was the way he, he suggests that part of the way we can read, especially the first six or eight chapters of Genesis, is to see God as the parent, And within that story, there's lots of empathy, which is what we're going to deal with this morning. There's also lots of honesty, because if we agree that he's all-knowing, all-powerful, capable of doing anything and everything, and yet you see the way he interacts with his control as a parent, that's what we're going to talk about on Father's Day. So this is kind of just where we're headed. This morning, what I want to get into is the vulnerability piece. I actually had a friend say to me this week, and I'm a friend of a friend deal, uh, And to me, this might best capture the whole parenting experience. Uh, This person said simply, uh, nobody told me parenting was going to make me this vulnerable. Why aren't we talking about that? And where I'm so excited to come before you to talk about the text is is we might not, whoever we is, uh, but God does. And where we're going to jump into this morning is in, in Genesis 3. And in Genesis 3, let me just kind of set the context because I get that we all come at the text with a different amount of background and and knowledge and awareness. And man, I sure hope that whether you're pursuing Jesus or following Jesus, uh, spending time in the text every day is part of that journey. There's no replacement for that. We certainly can't replace that. But nonetheless, as you kind of continue on your journey and aren't sure maybe about all of the chronology, let me just kind of bring us up to speed. So Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, that's the whole like naked people with fig leaves and apple, even though we're never told it's an apple and a snake, even though it never says it's a snake but that happens in Genesis 3, right? Like that's where God creates people and we have this beginning and we don't even have to get into is that parable, is that literal? doesn't matter this morning. In Genesis 3, what happens is of course Eve takes the apple and then Adam takes the apple and so for a couple thousand years men have blamed that on women but that's not really what the Bible says either. The bottom line is what we have is people not trusting God and there begins the parenting story because there's a parent who goes, hey, you'll thrive if you head this way. And then there's an individual created with their own mind and their own designs and their own capacity to make decisions. And they go, no, we think we want to go this way. We often call that the fall, maybe not the best term, because it's not like God leaves them. It's just that there's consequences. And so in Genesis chapter 3, where we're going to pick up is at this place where God shows up and he starts giving consequences. And and listen, I'm not... It's not clear to me, is God giving punishments or is God like a good parent just going like, hey, "There's a natural consequences. Cheat on your taxes, there's unnatural consequences. Like lie about this, like get addicted to meth. Like there's natural consequences that come with certain decisions. And it seems like that's what God is doing here. And so he starts, uh, he, he goes after Adam and says, here's the consequences for you. And then he says to the serpent, here's some consequences. I might've mixed that order up, whatever. But then he gets to the woman. And this is the part that I want to look at in Genesis 3.16. Go ahead guys to that next slide. To the woman, he said, "I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you'll give birth to children." Question: Did human rebellion change female anatomy? That's really where we have to start. Uh, did did sin distrust? Did it change uh, female physiology? Because if it didn't, then part of what we have to begin to see is whatever this curse involved, certainly the stretching involved with giving birth to a child was going to be pain, painful before sin entered into the equation. And in fact, when you look closer at the original language, something I can only do because I plagiarize, go ahead back to that Genesis 3, will you guys stay there? What John Goldingay points out is is that word labor, so I will make your pains in childbearing very severe with painful labor. Labor, that's an interpretive move that the translators, and then that's all over the place. They have to do that. There's fewer Greek words represented here than English words, but that, they place that there. And so really what it's saying is, hey, it's going to be painful to bear children. Uh, w- with pain, you're going you're to have kids in your life. And in fact, you can take that a step further, and the words there for pain and painful, painful elsewhere in the Bible, when the Bible refers to the pain of physically having a child, it actually uses different Hebrew words in, in many of those cases. Add to that still the idea that the words pain and painful here have far more prevalence, uh, far more of a connection to emotional pain than physical pain as you study the original language. And so what guys like John Gay and I'm, I'm trusting him and love his work, what he's saying here is part of what you have to understand here is what God is saying is, hey, Eve, I got some bad news. Now that sin is a part of this whole human equation, that whole mom thing, it's going to hurt. And as much as, yeah, it's going to hurt physically, and okay, so maybe sin affects, because we know that the, the, the deaths involved with, with giving birth to kids not very long ago was, a, was an atrocious high number. But it seems like the text is saying even more than that, that is going to make you emotionally vulnerable in ways that you'll never take back and you wish you wouldn't have done, if you know what I mean. This God goes, hey, that's going to hurt. Add to that that Eve, in the very next chapter, she experiences maybe the worst pain that any mother ever could. She had two sons, Abel and Cain, and one of her sons murdered her other son. So here you have rolled into one story the worst part of the, the, the greatest nightmare of every parent. First of all, you, you now have a son who's a murderer. And you also have a, a child that you're burying, and it's not supposed to happen in that order. And the only reason you're burying him is because his life was taken by another person. Two people you love, all that pain. As the Genesis story continues... Uh, There's all kinds of evidence of the emotional pain. You you have infertility. You have the odd cultural things that people do in response to infertility. You have death. There's just myriad things that happen. And so I don't know what your experience of is parenting right now, but what I can say is if it's full of grief and emotional pain, whether it's related to physical things or decision things or graduation things, whatever it is, the text goes like, I told you that's what was going to happen. And the question for me that, that can help us grab a handle, think climbing, you know, and making a move here what, the, the handle is what if God can relate? Like, what if, what if God relates, because He's a parent too in these stories? What if He can relate to the pain associated with parenting? And of course, what, what Genesis begins to portray is that it's not just a suggestion that, that he might, but it emphatically states that he can. Now, this sounds dark, so stick with me, but listen to Genesis 6 5. And, and you're going to be so glad you came to church on Mother's Day because this is so uplifting. L- listen to Genesis 6 5. Uh, the Lord God saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thought of the human heart was only evil all the time. Yeah, you just like, don't you want to go to Hallmark when we're done? Listen to verse six. The Lord regretted that He had made human beings on the earth, and His heart was deeply. Tr- Go ahead, next slide, guys. Uh, the Lord regretted that He had made the human beings on the earth, and His heart was deeply troubled. So apparently, to whatever degree sin was going to have an impact on the human emotional experience of parenting, it had that same impact on God. Apparently, sin also impacted God's experience of parenting. Apparently, this God feels, and it's not all love and joy and peace. This God, he feels profoundly this God who's often maligned for his hard emotions, his anger and his wrath, not here. Long before he experiences the hard emotions, the anger, the wrath, we, we see God experiencing the soft emotions, sadness, grief, regret. Suddenly you have this God going like, oh, this hurts. This God suddenly has transitioned from holding the baby in his arms in the hospital going, singing that like stupid Lego song, like everything is awesome and everything is perfect and everything is beautiful. And suddenly it transitions to like, what is that smell? (laughs) And you were going how fast when you got pulled over? And you were out how late last night? And, And you got what kind of... Things going on in your personal life. Suddenly this God is going, wait, wait a minute. I had these good, beautiful, strong, passionate designs for creation. And it looks nothing like what I thought. Suddenly this God is, he's he's got this heart-wrenching grief. And you know something? It doesn't stop here. Of course, beyond here, you see God creating Israel, and there's this very important theological reasons, like now Israel's going to fulfill what what Adam and Eve couldn't. And and listen to what Isaiah says. Go ahead, next slide. This this is in the midst of Israel kind of going way off the rails. Uh, This is what God says here is, yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So it's not a one-time deal. Here's this God watching his whole people completely stray from his designs, his best, no longer trust him, and he's going like, And Jesus even experiences this. Look in Luke 19. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41, it says this, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Just just for a moment, picture Jesus as the parent, would you not, as the authoritative king? And he said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. So Jesus... And maybe you're not here right now, and I'm, I'm so glad if, if you're not as a parent. But Jesus has this experience of going, oh, this hurts. To see you doing this is so excruciating. Now listen, if, if you're like, I don't have kids, and I have parents, and suddenly I don't know what to feel right now, because what you're telling me is that like, all I do is bring them pain. This is the tricky thing. The the, the tricky thing about this is, I guarantee your your parents would not undo it if they could. And yet they had no idea how emotionally exposed they were when they had you. I think this is why the text talks about honor your father and mother. It's why oftentimes the the best thing that can happen to someone's attitude towards their parents is that they become one. Because suddenly you realize there's no perfect parent that it's full of pain and, and all kinds of emotional vulnerability. And this God, he too, as a parent, experienced it. But the question becomes, and, and here's where I think uh, we, we can take the, the, the next step, is, okay, so what did he do with it? If this God looked out at his creation and he tried excommunication, that didn't seem to work very well. And then now he's looking at it going, I'm just wondering, maybe, this, maybe I should just leave because I'm not sure that I'm helping anymore. What does he do with that grief, that, 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 that incredible sense of emotional conflict? Well, we get that answer, too. Look at Genesis chapter 8. In Genesis 8, we're, we're on the other side of the flood. We're on the other side of all kinds of trial and error, it would almost seem. And the text says this, "Never again," God says, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And in fact, uh, many would argue that even though is like because. So it's not, it's not in spite of the evil inclination, it's because of the evil inclination. So this God, having tried lots of things, goes, w- w- wait a minute. I don't know how we're going to get the thing back on the rails. I don't know where this thing is headed. I, I don't know how we once again reclaim uh, the-, the good design that we had for this. But what I can tell you is I'm committed. Not going to do the annihilation thing, not going to do the abandonment thing. I'm committed to being with you, John Goldingay says it this way. if You guys go to that next slide. He says the change here occurs in Yahweh's heart, not the human heart. See what you have here. I, I used to work for a guy who used to always say, "Adam, uh, no one's going to be more passionate about your thing than you are." No one's going to be more passionate about the organization. No one's going to be more passionate about the ministry. Wh- wh- whatever it is, like no one's going to be more passionate about it than you. This God suddenly owns the fact that he has to bear the weight of goodness in the story, which means he, he, he answer, answers insult with, with grace, which means, which means he, he answers bad intentions with, with good intentions, which means he goes high road over and over and over again. This guy goes, yeah, 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 this thing has gone so south, but I'm not going anywhere. Got to spend a, a couple days in, in Denver with the staff at a conference a couple weeks ago, a conference called Q, which uh, I've, had, I've been a part of since um, before narrative even existed. And I, I, had, I wasn't emotionally prepared for the, the homeless population in Denver. It was insane. And I think especially with the marijuana laws there now, I'm assuming, it's become a haven for runaway teens. And in the evening, once it was 9 o'clock or so, that there was this one spot in front of the, the Ross store. No offense if you shop at Ross, but it was right in front of the Ross store. That was a bad joke, maybe. Uh, that there's 20 or 30 clearly teenagers sitting on the streets, smelling terrible, looking terrible. I mean, it was depravity, I guess, at its highest point. And I couldn't help but think, like, whose parents didn't bear the weight? Like, who stopped hoping? And, 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 and get, I, listen, I get it. Some things are outside of a parent's control. But you just have to assume among 30 or so, right? Like, who, who, who thought that parenting was a reciprocal relationship? Not a like, grace and love, grace and love, grace and love, no matter what I got coming back at me. There was a woman at that conference, her name was Patricia Raybon. Uh, We have a picture, it doesn't show up great, sorry. Uh, She told a story there, she raised her daughter uh, uh, to follow Jesus, it was a very Christ-centered home. And then when her daughter went off to college, one day she got a call saying, hey mom, I'm converting to Islam. And, and, of course, uh, what she hoped might be a fad proved not to be a fad. She she, she married an Islamic man. They have children that they, they take to the mosque. I mean, it's, it's th- they're entrenched. And she talked very openly and honestly about how hard that was on their relationship for, for many a years. And, of course, she was speaking because she came to this point where she realized, like, wait a minute. Just because we disagree on Jesus and some incredibly important topics... Doesn't mean we have to be sideways relationally, and there began this long process of mending the relationship. They've written books together now, In the Q and A afterwards, so- someone asked her a question. I don't remember the question. I'll never forget her answer though. Go ahead, next slide. She said, "I had to grieve the family I thought I'd have." They're like, "How did you do this?" And she said, I-, "I just, I had to grieve the ideal, and become grateful for what I actually had." This God is so full of grace, he had an ideal, and he went, okay, I can adjust, and I will will you towards health and love. And does he have boundaries? Of course he does. That's the part of God that we so misunderstand, is the, the part that goes, Well, wait, wait a minute, I, I have some boundaries. There's, there's certain things that, that we're not going to do together. So what, what do we do here? I, I guess, you guys, m- my hope was really two takeaways. Number one was simply that when you're, in, when you're in the dark days of parenting, no matter how serious or trivial, whether we're talking uh, about a B, not an A, or we're talking about an addiction, or whatever it is we're talking about, for me, it's in tr- tremendously comforting to, to know that nobody relates to your pain better than God that you just crawl right into his lap in the midst of that pain because he experiences it. And really the second part that that I think can help us even find more grace as parents is the the reminder like you're that kid in his life. It it brings a whole new understanding to to, to Paul's statement, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? Because it's this reminder like, Adam, you... You do this to God every day. You you, you are not, Adam, the perfect embodiment of his plans for your life. You're not so perfect that you don't grieve his heart. And on that level, I think it's this profound reminder of of grace. That as Christ followers, we're, we're not here because we've arrived but because God's love is such that, that it's bigger than our, than our crap over and over and over again. And that's why, uh, as, as the staff talked about this weekend and, and planned it, we thought, like, we, we, we got to do communion this week because as much as we celebrate mothers and, and, and step into the grief and step into the celebration and, and as much as we deal with all the emotional vulnerability that comes with parenting there's also this reminder that we've put God through all of it times an unimaginable number and so in just a moment and the band's going to lead us in a, in a couple songs uh, there's going to be elements over here and over here and just a reminder if you don't have never taken communion with, with us before we, we like to dip not to sip because we're germaphobes and we would like you to be too, but really, this is an opportunity to just to just step into all of it. the grief stricken nature of parenting maybe you 're at this point where, where you recognize how capable it could be to be painful, and yet you 're not there right now maybe 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 there 's this this stuff that you need to unload with God as you continue to step into receiving his grace. listen. What we know is as we transition from admiring Jesus to following Jesus, uh, that we recognize as followers of Jesus, that it's not an earn it deal. It's a because of who he is deal. And that's what we see in Genesis 8, a God who transitioned and went, if anything good is going to come from this story, it's going to be because my character bears the weight of that. So let me pray, and we're going to give you a chance to, to reflect through worship. God, Lord, there are so many loose ends and so much that goes into all of this emotionally, God. Uh, from 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 the guilt we might feel as as sons and daughters, uh, to the pain we might feel as as parents, to the, to the joy that we feel because we understand that lots of good things happen despite us. Uh, to the opportunity we have to know you because of who you are, not because of our merit. So would you meet us individually where we're at this morning and walk with us? Uh, We love you, God. Amen. If you would like to engage further with Narrate Church, you can find contact information online, www.narratechurch.org. We would love to hear from you.